Hi, welcome everybody to a 11th episode of Designer and Developer Having a Coffee. I'm a designer in this duo, my name is Tom, and a quick random fact about me is that I grew up playing flight sims ever since I owned a ZX Spectrum, and that was not a very good flight sim, it was just a line dividing the blue and green fields that pretended to be a horizon that was a lot bunch of instruments but ever since then uh, it kind of got better and I'm very proficient actually at flying and I hope that uh, by the time I reach 40 I might do a pilot's license so fingers crossed uh, maybe I should start a donation thing for my pilot's license <laughs> you and Bruce Dickinson on the other hand hello everybody I'm Mario and I'm the developer in this duo and a random fact about me is that I have an aching a sore muscle behind my shoulder blade and it's actually aching every time I move my arm or anything like that. So if you hear any uh, inappropriate grunting or moaning, do note that it's not meant to be inappropriate. I am actually in pain. But not good kind of pain. Uh, not good kind of pain. I'm, 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 I'm kind of wondering what the people think about ra our random facts at the beginning of the episode. I would like to hear. Uh, drop the comment, drop the like, hit the subscribe, the bell, the thing, and let us know. Engage us. We, we need the engagement. But yeah, the t today's topic is embracing failure. And we're going to talk about some cool things when we failed. But I was thinking about this last night. What does embracing failure actually mean? And I think, like, from my perspective, embracing failure means that you will never be happy with your work. And there's always something that it's going to fail within a project, and you need to be okay with that. So as a designer, and I'm sure this is true for most designers, or at least most good designers, is that you are never happy with your work in terms of this is now complete and I'm happy it couldn't be improved. And if you are maybe that falls under 10% of projects that you did. There's always something that you could have done better. And especially when you look back at your portfolio from last year or five years ago or 15 fucking years ago, and then you see, man, how bad I actually was in doing this. So embracing failure means that you're always improving, but that means that everything else was, so it's not a, basically a failure. It's just like improvement, but there are situations where I failed miserably completely missing the mark of what the project needed to be and this kind of came down to me not understanding clients and not understanding their needs and just trying like oh i'm a designer i want to do a logo and build a website and da, da, da. and then kind of pushing my agenda without understanding what is the behind the why they need a website and then it, it was a website but it didn't serve the purpose so that was a failure but it also i learned a lot I don't know, looking at, I was also thinking about what to do for this episode and what does actually uh, uh, embracing failure mean. And I was first thinking about what even failure is. Because failure uh, uh, is a hard word and it's used in social media posts because it gets a lot of, you know, it echoes nicely. But basically, uh, failure is you tried to do something and it didn't work out the way you planned it. And depending on how you look at it, it's not failure, it's life. <laughs> I mean, you always try to do something and very, very, very rarely it turns out exactly how you want it to be. And it's sometimes due to external factors, that's true. Oftentimes it is because of your, I'm going to call them mistakes, even though that's probably unfair. 
but it's because you could have done something better or something different and things like that. But the good thing is that you always approach situations from a, a point where you have current knowledge about the problem and current knowledge about the domain. And combining these two, you do you try to do the best job that you can do, right? Then during the course of that problem, situation, project, whatever you want it to be, you learn more about the domain and you learn more about uh, uh, your knowledge as a professional. So during the course of the project, you grow. And there's always a beautiful point at around two thirds or maybe three quarters of a project, like after you've been three months into it, that you exactly know, ah, this is how it should have been done correctly. And if I could rewrite it now, I would rewrite it so it's the most beautiful thing in the world. And just to let you know, that's something that doesn't really go away ever. No, it doesn't. <laughs> so the idea is that you have to, you kind of uh, learn to live with it. You learn that it does happen and has to happen like that. And it's not a bad thing. You finish the project that you have in the best way possible and then have a new arsenal of knowledge and understanding for the next project. I think this is the best place to say it's better to finish than to aim for perfection that never happens. Because I've seen and I have a friend, a very close friend, who was uh, building an iPad game with his, uh, his friend. Uh, they were both not developers. Uh, they both went to like a high school, uh, like technical high school, they knew development, but they both went to like human studies, humanistic studies. They didn't go into development, but they decided they want to build a game for iPad and they both learned how to code for iOS. And then they built the game and the game was one of the best games I've played in my life ever, like a casual game. It was a, a puzzle game that was, it had a very unique uh, value prop and I don't want to talk about the game because every time I think about the game I, I get sad because it's it was on my first iPad installed and uh, they pulled it from the app store but and then my, my that iPad got stolen I lost the game and they, and they don't want to distribute it anymore but basically they were building it for like two years or something like that and they were always perfecting and upgrading shit and it was never done and they never pushed it and never got it to actually go to marketplace and perform in the market because they always wanted to do something better. And these two guys are brilliant guys. And one of them is a game designer, works in Germany for a big game company, gaming company. And uh, the game was perfect. But whoever told them that it was perfect, they didn't want to listen. And they just wanted to iterate and build and better, get it better, get it better, get it better. And there are always things that you can do. But unfortunately, in the process of them building this game, they became uh, kind of frustrated with each other, frustrated with the project, frustrated with the process, with everything. And then at the end, they just kind of gave up and bin the whole thing. And like everything went to toilet. Like they didn't want to sell, they didn't want to do nothing. They were like, they deleted the code. That was like done. And that is the best uh, example of failure that I can think about that is not my own. I don't want to talk about my best examples of failures. I have a lot of those. That would be like 10 episodes on its own. But like that's, I've read somewhere and I know that's a 
platitude, but uh, failure is when you give up. This is when you kind of accept failure, but, and it's kind of, it's rocky and like, keep getting up, keep getting out there, keep doing, but when you give up, then it's when you say, okay, I failed. And then you stop and then you do something else. So if you're the type of person that has been doing something for a couple of years and then gives up, then you actually failed. So until you do that, there's no failure. There's only learning. And I watched a video years ago and I'm going to share it. I'm going to post it in in the description, but I have to, it just comes with a little bit of warning. It's a very heavy video of, uh, I use a quote on all of my website and in my email, it says, uh, experience is what you get when you don't get what you wanted. And it's from a professor called Randy Pausch, who was diagnosed with cancer. And he had like 10 days to live or something like that. Like he was, it was rapidly growing. The doctors told, told him, get your affairs in order. You don't have much time to, to live. And then he did uh, his last lecture. And the video is called The Last Lecture, where he talks about life and life lessons and so on. And uh, he talks about failure, among other things. So I'm going to share that as well. I think it's a really, really great watch. But it, it's transformational, motivational, but fucking depressing. I was just about to say, great optimism for a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Now everybody's Tuesday is much better. Uh, other than that, uh, uh, regarding the failure, uh, trying to get us back on more optimistic paths after Tom kind of bummed us down. Uh, so there, there is a sentence that I heard and it's being shared on social media a lot and it's a really cute quote saying, successful people are the ones that have failed more than people who are unsuccessful. Which is technically true because you get to learn uh, uh, from your failures and in theory after a few failures, if you are learning, then you won't make the same mistakes again. And in theory, a lot of people are going to tell you that uh, a fool learns on their own mistakes and a smart person learns on other people's mistakes. I have just one comment to say on that and that's, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, there are things... There are things that you can read in books and there are things that you can learn from books, but there are failures that you have to make and learn from them on your own skin. Like when you start, if you decide to start your career in solopreneurship, being a freelancer, being an entrepreneur, whatever, you're going to read in a lot of books. You're going to listen in a lot of podcasts. Don't undersell yourself. You know what you're going to do on your first project? Guess what? Guess what? You're going to undersell yourself like four times. You're going to go four times below the price that you should. And then you're going to do the project. You're going to complete it. And then you're going to figure out, wow, somebody else would have charged for this four times extra and things like that. So these are things that no matter how many books, podcasts, movies, videos, lectures are written, done, spoken, there are some of the things that you have to learn on your own skin. And if somebody has managed to, to learn for this particular lesson, for example, from a book, please call me, prove me wrong. I'm going to, you're going to be my idol. I'm going to worship you. There are people who learn by reading books. And to be honest, I envy them. I'm not one of those people. And I always learn by doing stuff. There are situations where you can read something in the book. Then you find yourself in a situation you try it out and then you get a light bulb moment like, oh, yeah, that's that actually, yeah, that, that shit works. Uh, but 
if somebody, so I have a friend who wrote a book on pricing. Literally, he wrote a book. And he will tell me stuff to try out. And then I have to try them out on my own. And then I will get experience. But a couple of times in my life with him, particularly in one situation where I was pricing my services and he told me, you need to charge for this four times more. And it felt so against everything, like every instinct was telling me that he was wrong. But I also know that he's the professional in his field. He's the authority and he's my friend and I trust him. So I kind of went against my instincts and did what he told me. And then the offer got accepted. I was like, oh shit, I just quadrupled my price. And they didn't even blink. So I told him they didn't blink. And he's like, yeah, you're still underselling yourself. So it's a lot of people say like, trust your gut instincts. And yeah, trust your gut instincts about things you want to do with your life. But I would say if you're in the business and you're doing things for the first time and you don't know, trust, try trusting people who have done this before, especially if they're your friends and then you, they have your best interest in mind. Try trusting them because you're going to skip a couple of chapters. And this is great because I, I did, if, like people, you know, when people say like, what would you do differently if you can go 10 years back or 20 years back or whatever? And I like to say like, oh, nothing. I love my life. Every decision I made was great, blah, blah, blah. And I wouldn't change a lot. But if I could sit down with 20-year-old self, slap him a little bit and tell him, please listen to people when they're trying to help you. Because so many people try to help me along the way and I just didn't. And then I failed. And then I learned a lesson. And if I could avoid a couple of hard lessons but if I could avoid a couple of failures by listening to what people have to say that wanted to help me, that would be better. Okay, so I think we agreed that you cannot avoid failing, that you shouldn't avoid failing, that failing is good because after you fail, you're going to have those three nights when you're, you know, you have your head in your hands and you're, why, oh, why did I do this and all of that. But after that, you're going to take away key lessons and you're not going to make the same mistake again. So uh, another point I'd like to touch on is how to fail, how to fail properly. And uh, the only answer there is fail fast. So there are people who figure out that they're on, you know, that they did it wrong. I was on paths where I figure, okay, I'm doing this wrong. Nobody's doing it. But if I continue just a little longer, maybe it turns. So I think it's Einstein's quote. Uh, if you're doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, then you're crazy. I don't know if it is. If not, please correct me after you subscribe and hit the bell and all of that. Uh, but basically, fail fast. And I'm going to give you an example from my own experience. So I'm in a startup called Picator and Today, it's uh, only one platform for marketing agencies to do everything they need for market research. Back in the day, it wasn't. So uh, uh, we started as an Uber for mystery shopping. And that failed colossally. But then we had a twist how to market our services better. And then that failed colossally. 
And then we had, okay, so now we're going to try to go after bigger clients, but they don't need mystery shopping. They need what we call exit shopping. So we're going to do that. And that worked twice, but failed colossally. And then we figured out, okay, we need to go for online analysis. And that started to give some work, but still wasn't good enough. And then we kind of, through several pivots, got to where we are today. And today I'm really happy that our UK company is working with some amazing UK clients, uh, clients in Germany, clients in Croatia, clients in Slovenia, clients in Poland, and things like that. So, you know, uh, uh, fail fast and pivot. And the funny Fail upwards. Is, fail upwards. And the funniest thing is, uh, my founder, Marin, he actually read all of the startup books. So there isn't a startup book that he didn't read. There is no knowledge that human has of startups that's written in a book that he doesn't have. And he actually has a technique of how he reads to memorize stuff and to implement stuff and all of that. And we've done all of that. So we really went according to the book and still failed several times and had to pivot, like really pivot almost from ground up several times. But the key thing is that every time we failed, we learned about the industry. We learned by talking to clients. We learned by talking to companies in the industry. We figured, okay, this is what you don't need, but this is what you do need. We understood that the path we were going is a path to failure. We said, okay, we accept this as a failure. We're switching to a different thing. And then we went building on top of that. And after a few of those, I'm going to call them failures. You can call them wrong paths. You can call them pivots, whatever you want to call them. But after a few of those, we figured out, okay, now we understand. We understand where we went wrong. And now we understand where we're going right and why we are going right. And now we have a great basis to build a great company. And that is currently what we're doing. So if anybody needs a tool for a market research company, please uh, uh, shout out. <laughs> there's, a, there's a link in the description of every episode. To be yes. Up. So uh, what that, that's kind of when I'm thinking from a perspective of I've been doing stand-up comedy for years now and almost two decades. And thinking back on failing fast, whoever started doing stand-up comedy you were never good in the beginning nobody started as a great stand-up comedian no one no one ever in the history of stand-up comedy ever started to be a good stand-up comedian so when you look from that perspective you have to you fail a lot you fail constantly and failure in stand-up comedy or as it's called bombing and you have to bomb a lot to become a good stand-up comedian because when you bomb you you learn what doesn't work and then you try to iterate on your jokes and your performance and get it better and better and better. And I do this when I do like public speaking coaching, when I work with clients. Uh, if I did this a couple of times, it would always great results with I would take someone from the audience or from the group and who usually the person who identifies themselves as the most shy person to talk in front of people. Like whoever is scared of standing in front of people and talking, I would take that person bring them on stage with me or in front of people, wherever we are, stand them next to me. They don't have to say anything. They're just like, you look at the crowd and I'm going to be talking. And then I share one of my most embarrassing stories in my life, which is the worst type of bombing that you can do 
in in stand-up career, in pub, in whatever. Like it was a public shaming where I was on stage perform in front of like a thousand people. Uh, back then, I just started doing comedy. I was doing it for maybe a year, not even that much. And I was a winner of like an open mic contest. And then I invited to this like charity event on as one of the performers. It was a variety show of dancers and singers and da da da. And one of the there was like stand up comedy, like a professional stand up comedy. And then there was like this open mic spot winner that was me. And I got on stage. I had five minutes. Told my first joke, which was joke about necrophilia, and nobody laughed like it was nothing like complete dead silence my friend in the first row was like he was just like dying of shame and cringe and then i said another joke and again dead silence imagine a room of thousand people like a concert venue silent completely silent and then i said another couple of more jokes nothing i said thank you went backstage and died inside a little bit but that's not the embarrassing part the embarrassing part is that there was a, because it was a charity event, that was a bidding war for every performer. People were paying to take performance. Uh, you buy a performer and then the performer will take you out for dinner, whatever. The money goes to charity, blah, blah, blah. So I was one of the people the audience was bidding for. And I got on stage with everybody else, turned, went to me. I was like, okay, performer number six, our comedian guy, whatever. Uh, and then I'm going to translate this into US dollars because it's going to be, it's going to be uh, easier. So the, the guy started with, okay, do I hear $100? Like nothing. They, they started all the bids around $100 or 100 euros. Uh, and then, okay, do I hear 50? Nothing. Okay, how about 20? Nothing. Ten. Do I hear ten bucks? Will somebody? Nothing. Okay. How about five? Will will somebody? And then there you can. One person in the audience like, yeah, I'm gonna. Okay, fuck it. Five. Uh, and then the person in the audience had a mic. Came to the person like, okay, you bought them for five. Like, and then it was my mom. And my mom said, uh, yeah, I'm gonna for this five bucks. I'm gonna make him clean his room. Uh, and that was the embarrassing part that was the embarrassing part not bombing with my joke that one when then everybody laughed and suddenly it was ha 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 it was funny you see even you laughed it was and uh, it was funny and that's the thing people have this fear of failure where this is going to happen I'm going to be so embarrassed and I don't know what's going to happen but the reality is Tomorrow you're going to wake up, have your coffee, take a shit, and continue with your life as nothing happened. And I tell this story with a person standing next to me. And then I asked them, did anything change? Do people think less of me? Do you, did, did anything bad happen? It didn't. And nobody, I'm sure, out of those thousand people all those years ago, remembers what's my name, how I look like, or what even happened. I'm, I, maybe one person has a funny story. But even if you're telling a funny story of somebody who is cringe, like, is it really a good story? No, it isn't. So who gives a shit? That's also true. Uh, I love failing on... on on public stage, I managed to play a concert and then I didn't bring a spare snare drum and then I managed to pop my original snare drum skin in like the second song and we needed to do like 10. 
So, so the rest of the uh, um, show was pretty improvised. And I was playing music where like rock, ska, stuff like that, where snare is on every other beat. Every other beat. Every other beat. There's no way around it. There's apparently a way through it if you punch a hole in it. But yeah. And then people were, you know, in the beginning, as it was a demo show for young bands, a lot of the people in the room were musicians. So everybody noticed what happened and everybody was kind of, where's the drum? Like, <laughs> what's going on? And later on, everybody made fun of me. But it's a situation where, A, it happened. B, it's human that it happens. C, you can't do anything about it at that point. Let's try to get the maximum out. And then, but from that moment on, for every concert I go to, I have a spare snare drum in my bag. Why? Because you need to have a spare snare drum in your bag. So if anybody out there of the drummers is listening, there are a few things that you want to remember. Have a spare snare drum. Have a spare uh, uh, bass drum. Uh, uh, what's the word? Skin? Have a spare bass drum pedal. Have a drum tuning key. Have a 10 pairs of sticks because you want to. And all of those nice things. So uh, um, some people learn it in a book. Some people learn it in a podcast. I didn't. I learned it the hard way. And nothing bad happened. And I'm I'm 100% sure there are no people going around. There, oh, there was this drummer that he popped his snare. Like, who, who cares? It doesn't matter. Pretty much. Uh, pretty much. But yeah. Anyway, since we said we're going to keep this one short, uh, how about we wrap it up with a couple of bad jokes? And we can wrap it up uh, with a couple of bad jokes, but before that, let's wrap it up with like a recap of what did we learn? Failure. Yeah. What did we how learn? Did we, okay. How did okay. we fail in this episode and what are we going to learn from it? Okay. So recap of failure, I would say, is fail quickly, fail often, fail forward. Very nice. And don't take it to heart. We've all failed. And we are That's all going to keep failing. Don't take it to heart. Failure is just the next step towards wherever you're going. And if you make many small failures, that means that you are making many small steps forward. Providing that one, you one, that's, that's one, one guy that I work with, he told me um, that I was a Teflon for compliments and Velcro for, critic, for criticism. And that I need to switch that around. And he was true. He was correct. So I did. So basically, you have to be Teflon for failure. Doesn't matter. Just learn, keep going. Nothing's going to happen. And be Velcro for when somebody gives you good advice and listen to that and keep that and then try it out. But failure is going to happen. There's no avoiding failure. So who cares? And uh, yeah. Woohoo! Better joke for the end. We're so smart. Bad joke for the end. I was uh, uh, for the, this long weekend. I was at friends. Uh, he was watching uh, Masters golf, uh, Masters tournament, and so I have a golfing joke. It's uh, why did a golfer change his pants? Because he has hole in one. I don't even know if I want to top that. <laughs> you don't have to. We can just sign us off. No, I can I can tell the fastest joke in the world. Do you want another one? <laughs> oh, no. <gasps> okay.
Uh, yeah, you did. You definitely topped that one. Uh, so yeah, thanks everybody for listening, for watching, for staying, for subscribing, for sharing this with your mom, uh, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye. And clean your room. Bye. <laughs>